Good morning. It's a blessing to be with you all again. It's been at least a couple years since we were here. So, <clears throat> been blessed with what we've heard already this morning. I don't think I'll take much time to comment. <clears throat> but thank you all for inviting us down. Uh, as was mentioned, we are visitors here, and I understand some of you all are visitors, so we're in the same boat this morning. <clears throat> Let's begin with a word of prayer. Let's stand together. <clears throat> Our dear Father in heaven, we come to you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this gathering, a place to gather, a family to gather with. And Lord, it's not about us, it's about you, it's about our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray that he would be exalted, continue to be exalted in our midst. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us, help us to have ears that hear, I pray. Anoint my lips and may your word come to all of our hearts, each one of us, Lord. My own included. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> As Brother Josh opened up this morning, uh, I can say the same. I don't necessarily have a Mother's Day message, but um, I knew that we would be coming down here on Mother's Day, so my mind went to family. So that's what I would like to talk about this morning. For an opening scripture, and it's going to be somewhat of our text, turn to Matthew chapter 12. I have a few verses there. <clears throat> very interesting story we're jumping into the middle of. If you're familiar with the chapter, Jesus, early in the chapter, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn. His disciples were hungry. They were, they were plucking and eating corn, I would understand, to be grain. And the Pharisees had trouble with that. So there was this discourse going on. Following that, Jesus healed the man with the withered hand, also on the Sabbath day. So the, dis the discourse that we're entering into the middle of, uh, that is the setting. So we're jumping in at the end of the chapter, Matthew twelve forty six to the end of the chapter. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. So just remember, that's the, the setting we just looked at. And here Jesus is engaged with these people. His mother and brothers stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him, unto him that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my mother, I'm sorry, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Who is my mother and who are my brethren? 
I would like us to ask ourselves that question today. Who is my family? <clears throat> to uh, introduce, give a bit of a picture. Recently I attended a workshop on growing and handling herbs. I, I take it that my line of work is a little different than Micah's. That's okay. <clears throat> I don't envy you. <laughs> I enjoy my work. This class, um, there were nine other classmates. It was just a couple of days. Uh, one of the one of the others was the assistant manager at the farm where I work. For those who don't know me, <clears throat> I grew up not far from here, about fifteen to twenty minutes north. And uh, ten years ago, I was married to Kelly, and she joined me in the Bethel area. And for my work, I. I worked for my dad in the greenhouse seasonally and then construction for the rest of the year. I did that for a number of years. Then three years ago, we relocated about an hour north in Northumberland County where I took up a new job on a startup farm, the Natural Hope Herb Farm, and uh, also a new church, an outreach church uh, just north of that in Sunbury at the farm where I work, we grow herbs, mostly medicinal. Uh, and the original business, Natural Hope Herbals, turns them into tinctures, salves, and teas, and such like. So that's that's a little bit, uh, a little window into what I do and why I was attending this workshop in New York. <clears throat> the class was very informal. Uh, 20-acre farm, we didn't. We didn't roam all the acres, but we walked around and looked at what they do, dug some roots, harvested some bark from birch saplings. The uh, the couple that was leading us, I don't know their age, probably 70 plus, Matthias and Andrea, they've been doing this for 30 years. So uh, it was very, very interesting following them around and seeing what they do and hearing what they've learned in these 30 years. Very interesting for me and uh, very much in the line of what I do. <clears throat> so, very much in common, I could connect. But if you know anything about the herbal world, there are some strange ideas out there. Strange, maybe, maybe we know about them, maybe we don't. But uh, odd Odd ideas and terms, and, and some of that came out in this class. It was interesting, watching, observing, interacting with these dozen people or so. Asking questions, discussing, and uh, there was a level that they could connect that I couldn't quite connect with. There was a lot, I, it was very interesting, and I learned a lot. But there were some of these things that I just couldn't connect with. And I don't know a whole lot about them, so I I wasn't really prepared to say a whole lot. So it was mostly observing and asking a few questions. Talking about energy. Energy. What energy? Talking about having a relationship with these plants. So you talk to them and they talk to you. Things like that, that is 
little outside of my practice. I don't necessarily handle the plants quite that way. Thank you, in case any of you wondered. So, as we sat around the circle that first evening, we finished up walking around and sat in a circle on the deck just to informal time, ask questions, discuss, and um, some of these things were coming out. I looked around the circle and I thought, this is not my family. Of course, this was just a couple of weeks ago and I was studying for this message, so uh, I, I connected what I was studying with that situation. This is not my family. Look around the circle. We're a group of human beings. We have a common creator. We breathe the same air. We drink the same water. We eat the same food. We are, each one of us is cared for by the same sustainer. Each one of us needs the same savior. And one day, each of us will be judged by one master. But on this level, what we're talking about, this is not my family. <clears throat> so who's my family? What is a family? And I would like to hear from you all. When you think of family, what do you think of? But first, the old Webster's Dictionary, a couple of definitions. The collective body of persons who live in one house under one head or manager, a household, including parents, children, and servants, and, as the case may be, boarders and lodgers, a household under one head, one manager. Of course, in our, in our society today, we, are, we don't have a very good representation of this package, the family, very well. I'm thankful for what we have. Let's keep it. <clears throat> Another definition, those who descend from one common ancestor. For example, the whole human race are the family of Adam, the human family. A couple other terms I thought of are fraternity. That's not one we use a whole lot. Fraternity, men of the same class, profession, occupation, or character. So, occupation came up a little bit. You know how it is. You can meet a total stranger, but when you find out, Eldon, they're a teacher, you can connect right away. If you find out he's an electrician, well, that might interest you. So, we can connect with others. Mothers, you connect with other mothers. You might not have ever met her before, but you can, you can connect on that point of common interest. Fraternity. <clears throat> Clan, brotherhood, basically the same definitions. And I, th I heard just a couple days ago there was, there's a number of, uh, youth, Workers from Faith Mission here this morning, um, and I thought of you all. There is somewhat of a camaraderie, a, you have some kind of family feel. I've never been there. I know some who have been, and, uh, I've served in other places myself, and I know what that's like. 
you've gone through a lot of things together and there's there's that there's that common interest common experiences so family what do you think of when you think of family not looking for right or wrong answers but just what comes to your mind when you think of family maybe you can't put it into words Anyone? Dedication and responsibility. Dedication and responsibility to each other. Very good. In a way that you don't have with those outside of whatever that definition is. Support. Support. Right. John. Understanding. Understanding. in a way that those outside don't understand. Right. You, you know each other. You can usually guess what the other is thinking without saying much. Probably because you've said much before or you've been through whatever it is before. <clears throat> so, family. Common experiences, common interests, common goals. And I had to think, even if, even if your experience wasn't the best, your family situation, even if the home experience wasn't the best, there's usually some kind of loyalty, understanding, standing up for each other, that dedication that someone mentioned. So, Jesus in Matthew 13, following what we opened with there in Matthew 12. Again, if we're familiar with the, with the chapter, it's, uh, chapter 13 gives us, um, seven parables that Jesus gave. The kingdom of heaven is like. <clears throat> At the end of that chapter, At the end of chapter 13, it tells us, It came to pass that when Jesus had finished these parables, he departed thence. And when he was come into his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James, Joses and Simon and Judas and his sisters, are they not all with us? Whence then hath this man all these things? And they were offended to him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So this introduces us to Jesus' family. So for a bit of the message here, I'd just like to take a journey through the scriptures that we have, at least that I uh, came across, that tell us about Jesus' earthly family. The scripture we opened with, Jesus' mother and brothers were coming to him, and Jesus asked, Who is my family? 
So for the next bit, let's just walk through some of Jesus' family. We'll start in Matthew chapter 1. You can turn there with me. Look at a number of scenes that we have. And we'll start with Joseph. <clears throat> Joseph and then Joseph and Mary's relationship. Um, we don't have a lot about Joseph. But I think this passage in Matthew gives us a good little window. Let's read verses 18 to 25, Matthew chapter 1. Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. When, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily or privately. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. Now, just a side comment here. It uses the terms husband and wife already. So, I don't know a lot about the Jewish practice, but there was a, they were as good as married. They had just not, uh, finalized that and come together. <clears throat> but there was a commitment there that, uh, not much would break. Let's go on there in chapter, uh, verse 20. The angel is telling Joseph, Fear not to take to thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. <clears throat> so, fathers, brothers, put yourself in Joseph's shoes. He was engaged to Mary. And it says, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Now, if we read in Luke, we understand that the angel had already come to Mary. So she knew what was happening. She knew what was coming. But Joseph, it would appear that he had no clue. So all of a sudden, somehow, he finds out. It comes out that she is with child. What would your response be? <clears throat> that would be very disturbing, to say the least. It tells us here that Joseph was a just man. And that two things, he was not willing to make her a public example and was minded to put her away privily, quietly, not willing to make her an example of her, a, private, a public example. Again, I don't know much about the Jewish customs, but I would understand that it was was actually a, I don't know if it would be expected, but the right move for Joseph to put her away at that point in time 
because of what obviously had happened. She was obviously unfaithful to him. So being a just man, it was right for him to put her away. But also a just man, he decided he's not going to make a big show of this. I don't want to smear her name. So I will quietly put her away. I see justice and mercy. Does that tell us all about Joseph? I don't know. But I think that gives us a window into Joseph was a just man. So this is the father of the home. Was he perfect? I don't think so. But noble character. Next we'll turn to Luke chapter 2. And Luke is where we have a bit of a bit more surrounding Jesus' birth. We won't take a lot of time to that, <clears throat> the events surrounding Jesus' birth. Um, but coming into his early years, again, we're not given a lot. It says, Luke chapter 2, verse 39, that when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. So, Joseph, as it said, he took Mary as his wife. Jesus was born, and they went on with life. Then it tells us in verse 40, the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, I didn't dig deep into this, but as I read, as I read this point, the child grew and waxed strong in spirit. What does that mean? He waxed strong in spirit. I don't know. I know what I think of when I think of a child with a strong spirit. If that can be directed in a good way, that's wonderful. It's not very good to have a child with a weak spirit. You can't go anywhere with that. But whatever it means, Jesus grew and he waxed strong in spirit. He was also filled with wisdom, it says. The strong in spirit need some wisdom to direct that. It says that he, he had that. And I don't think Jesus was born with everything. I think he learned a lot as a, as a child, as a real person. I believe he learned a lot. And the grace of God was upon him. Next, it goes into the scene. Jesus is 12 years old, and it says, as, as they went to Jerusalem, they did this every year for the feast of the Passover. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they went again, finished the feast, fulfilled the days, it was time to go home. Jesus, and we're familiar, I believe, with this story. Jesus uh, got stuck. He got caught up in the temple with the doctors and teachers. But his parents began to return home. 
In verse 43, it tells us Joseph and his mother, Jesus' mother, knew not of it that Jesus tarried behind. Reading in verse 44, but they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. Can someone tell us what about would be a day's journey for them? Someone know that offhand? The typical Jewish day's journey. Sabbath day's journey was shorter. Okay. What I found was 24 miles. So what is, how far is 24 miles from here? I didn't, didn't look anything up. But that in, in walking, traveling, that's how far they went. Now, back home we have 22 miles to church and that's a half hour drive. Mostly a good bit of it, like 55 miles per hour. So, uh, 24 miles is quite a distance. Most of us don't walk that far in a day. That's how far they got until they finally said, look, we're not finding Jesus. Let's, let's look for him. They were trusting he's with his cousins, with our friends. They started looking for him and didn't find him. So they returned that day's journey. Did they spend the night? If they did, they probably didn't sleep much. But they took that journey back to Jerusalem. It goes on and tells us that after three days, they found him in the temple. So were they three days in Jerusalem looking for him, or was it three days from the time they turned back? I don't know. But three days, whatever that was, looking for Jesus. Now, mothers, put yourself in Mary's shoes. He's 12 years old. He's not just a a four-year-old. But where is he? He's supposed to be with us. And finally, they find him in the temple. Let's just jump down. When they saw him, verse 48, they were amazed. What word would you put in there if you finally found your 12-year-old son after three or four days? How would you describe your feeling? They were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us. Behold thy father, and I have sought thee sorrowing. Mary said, Why have you done this to us? Just look at us. You've added some gray hairs to our head. And what was Jesus' response? How is it that you sought me? Now this could almost sound disrespectful. Why are you looking for me? Didn't you know that I'm supposed to be engaged in my father's business? And it tells us that they understood not the saying which he spoke unto them. They didn't get it. He thought, well, they should know. This is what I'm all about. This is why I'm here. But they didn't get it. It says that Mary kept all these things, all these sayings in her heart. For Jesus, verse 51, it says that he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But Mary kept, Mary his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. So Jesus, he was beginning to realize that I have 
a job. I have a work that is greater than the household at Nazareth. But what did he do? Yes, Daddy. Yes, Mama. I'm with you. He went home with them and was subject under them. He arranged himself under their authority, under his earthly parents. Uh, this, I think this can be a lesson for us all. There is a place for this. And what does it tell us? The next verse, 52, says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is the commentary that we have of Jesus for the next 18 years. <clears throat> we already read that as Jesus was a child, he grew he waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now in his, in his teen years and beyond, he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So, 12 years old. How many here are 12 years old? Can I see a hand? Are you 12 years old? No 12-year-olds? There's one back there. All right. How about 12 to 30? That's the time that we just talked about. How many are between 12 and 30? Okay, quite a few. So, that's the time frame in Jesus' life that we just ran right through. <clears throat> and we don't have much more in the scriptures telling about those years. Just a couple of windows that we have. No narratives, no stories of action. Uh, back in Matthew 13... We looked at it already. Uh, let's skip that. I think it's the same situation in Mark chapter 6. Could someone look that up and read that for us? And then a second one in John 7. Another person. Uh, first one is Mark 6, 1 to 3. Could I have a volunteer for that? Doug. Mark 6, 1 to 3. <clears throat> Thank you, Doug. So here it tells us that the people in his hometown knew him to be a carpenter. 
uh, there in Matthew 13, it said the son of a carpenter. Okay. The other one is John chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. A little window, what people knew about Jesus. Could have a volunteer for that. John. John chapter 7, verses 14 and 15. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? So, according to these two uh, testimonies, it would sound like Jesus was just a carpenter. They said, where do you get all this? He's just a carpenter. He's just, I mean, Nazareth of all places. I mean, even his mother and brothers, we know them. They're nobody special. And his education, I don't know much about the education system of the Jews, but in our terms, let's just say, Jesus had no high school diploma let alone any degree in theology or medicine. And here he's teaching, he's healing people. What is this all about? Where did he get this? Just a carpenter, the son of a carpenter. We know what Nathaniel said to Philip in John chapter 1. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So that was the That was the idea as they looked at Jesus. What about his siblings? We read some names here, and we don't have a lot about them. Um, His sisters, I don't know that we have really anything. It mentions that he had sisters. Um, We just read in John chapter 7, and here we have a little discourse with Jesus, between Jesus and his brothers. Let's look at that. So at this point... Jesus had already begun his ministry. And I would have this mental image of Jesus in his ministry. He was, he had left home, so to speak. He was out, he was traveling, he was going here and there. Um, but the scene that we have here in John chapter 7, at whatever point it is in those three years, I don't know. But he is with his brothers. <clears throat> Probably close to home. John chapter 7. Let's just read that discourse, verses 2 through 5. Uh, at least that's the brothers talking to Jesus. Now the feast, Now the feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brethren therefore said unto him, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy, disip- that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself seeketh to be known openly. If thou do these things, show thyself to the world. For neither did his brethren believe in him. So, <clears throat> looking at this scene, it would appear to me that his brothers are putting him to the test, go. If you are who you think you are, show it to everyone. Somewhat sarcastic or ribbing him. 
if you think you are who if you are who you think you are or say you are show yourself to the world Jesus responded and told them my time is not yet your time is any time but mine is not yet the world cannot hate you but it hateth me you go up to the feast i am not going up yet but then it tells us that when he said these words, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brethren went up, then he went up also. <clears throat> and that was the place we read of a little bit ago where the Jews said, from where did this man get all these things, having never learned? So Jesus went up, I believe not because his brothers put him to it, but it says that he went up, not openly, but as it were in secret. So, Jesus' family who was Jesus' family? As a child, he was part of a family, an earthly family or household, as we've seen. As he grew, do we not see a growing, broadening awareness and a growing tension between this earthly family and a new spiritual family, a heavenly family? We saw him in the temple where his parents found him. There was a scene of tension. And Jesus bowed to his parents. We opened with the verses in Matthew 12 where Jesus' mother and brothers were demanding his attention. In other words, leave your teaching and give us some space. Give us some attention. I never really saw it that way until I studied it this time. And I don't want to put words in their mouth, but it would seem like they felt they had a special right to Jesus. After all, this is my son, and he is our brother. He can just stop what he's doing and come give us some attention. Tension. Attention. I didn't mean to confuse those two words. The tension between the earthly family and the spiritual family. Jesus had quite something to teach his disciples and his family. So he begins to draw new lines. We don't have much more on Jesus' family. So let's go on. Who is my family? Some people today, they call their pets, their animals, my children, my grandbabies. That that uh, doesn't sit very well with me when I hear the dog had grandbabies. But and that's not the message today. But let's keep those lines clear. We, the righteous man, is kind to his animals. Don't get me wrong, but they're not of the human family. Who is my family? Did Jesus remove the responsibility? That dedication that we heard about? Did Jesus remove that? Regarding the earthly family? Is this relationship totally replaced by the new spiritual family? Did Jesus abandon his earthly family? Did he abandon those physical bloodlines? If we would look at it alone, turn with me to Matthew 10. 
we might get that feeling. And there are some, I don't, can't say I know anyone personally, who have taken this passage to the extreme. Jesus is instructing his 12 disciples before he sent them out. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 10. Let's just read a few verses there. 34 to 38. Jesus said, Think not that I'm come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. The Prince of Peace is saying this. So we have to take uh, other things he said into context. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foes shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. So we could almost conclude that Jesus is replacing this earthly family. There's another scene we have. Jesus on the cross in his last, near his final breath in John chapter 19 that I think answers this question. Gives us a a living demonstration of what Jesus thought of family, mother. John chapter 19, verse 25 to 28. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister. Interesting. I don't know if there's any other place that Mary's Relatives are mentioned. Mary, his mother, and his mother's sister. Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Now, if I would try to demonstrate standing up here, I would use hand gestures. Woman, behold thy son. Jesus he used his eyes and he looked. He said, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. It goes on there. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. I don't know if that move right there, if that uh, is part of what he's talking about, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. All things were accomplished. Everything was in order. Everything was taken care of. He's ready to go. But I see that. As we said earlier, we don't have much about uh, Joseph. And it would appear that he had already passed off the scene. <clears throat> so the firstborn was responsible for the household. And Jesus was that firstborn. So here he is passing on that responsibility to someone. 
Now, I shared this a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago at uh, the home congregation, and there was a comment afterwards. Why did Jesus choose John and not his next brother at home? I don't know. But it could be that Jesus saw something in John and he decided, John will take good care of my mother. Where were Jesus' brothers at by now? We don't have much indication, but the last we read didn't look too good. At least the scene that we were given. So Jesus transfers that care, the care for his mother, to John. Don't need to turn there, but Paul also used some very strong language when instructing concerning this caring for his own. In 1 Timothy 5.8, he says, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So, caring for, providing for your own, especially those of your own household, and this message goes more to us fathers, young men who want to be a a father someday. There is a responsibility that was not canceled. Jesus did not cancel that. There is a place for the family, the earthly family, God designed it. Malachi tells us that God is seeking a godly seed. It's also recorded that God said of Adam, it is not good for him to be alone. I will make the perfect helper for him. God designed the family. There is something amazing, beautiful, profound, Earthly yet eternal, wrapped up in these packages we call family. Let's not forget that. Fathers, mothers, we have an important place to fill. Let's not lose sight of the joy and the sobering responsibility of this family. Who is my family? Jesus said, My family are those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. There is a family under one roof, under one head or manager, a household which includes all the faithful. Just to follow the line in Hebrews 11, the faithful, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, and so on through the present and to the end of time, that household. Is this family perfect? No. Even the the few names that I read, they were not perfect. We are not perfect. But the head of this household, the manager, is perfect. Let's hang on to that. Who is my family? Is it Jesus and his household? Who do I share common interests with? Should I stay away from that circle of herbalists? 
Should I distance myself from my Muslim neighbor? Is it noble to walk away from my wife and children in pursuit of better things? Like I said, I don't personally know of anyone who's done this, but I've heard of it. Leave my wife and children behind and and I'm off to some far country because there's a better work for me to do. Is that noble? I don't believe so. Let's not muddy the lines. There is a difference. Talked about those herbalists. We are, we're not totally on the same page. But who is my family? The Pharisees told Jesus he really had no business interacting with those down and outers, the sinners. As we heard this morning. But to Jesus, those were potential family members. And he, and he knew they were looking for something. They really needed him, the great physician. Who is my family? In closing, Acts chapter 1 tells us that Jesus' mother Mary and his brothers were in that upper room. I believe something changed. Jesus' mother, I don't know that much changed there, but his brothers were in that upper room just before Pentecost. They were, what does it say, with one accord, praying, seeking the Lord together. Something changed and his brothers were there. In my study for this, according to David Berceau and his references, the authors of the books James and Jude are two of Jesus' brothers. Two that we read of. James and Jude. Those brothers who were once Jesus' skeptics, who were originally Jesus' earthly brothers, now and forever part of Jesus' household. So, for us, who is my family? I'm not sure that I've done justice to the subject, but hopefully it can stir our our hearts and minds. And uh, I've been blessed by studying this myself. And I want to be faithful to the family that God has given me, both the earthly family and the spiritual family. If you're able, let's kneel together to pray. <clears throat> Our Father in heaven, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you for the accounts we have, these windows into Jesus' life and his message. Father, I pray that you would teach us. As we have been asking, Lord, give us ears to hear, hearts to understand, and help us to live and apply what you are showing to us. Commit this and ourselves into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.